Well, good morning. This is a very special day. We get to celebrate baptism. And we get to do that with the families of the guys. It's guys this time who are going to be baptized. Um, Not that it excludes girls, but it just happens to be three young men. So uh, we get to celebrate with them. But they also are celebrating with us the faith that we have in Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in him, the peace that he brings into our life. The direction that he sets for us. He has, a, he has a purpose for each of these young men. He has a purpose for all of us who are following after him. And so we celebrate that together. He did not leave us as orphans. Sometimes we feel like orphans. But he did not leave us as orphans. Our feelings sometimes lie to us. How many of you agree with that? Sometimes our feelings are not lined up with reality. The reality is God created a family And he invited you into it through his son, Jesus Christ. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ, a saving faith in him. You are a child of God. And because you're a child of God, you're a member of his family. And it's not just people in this room. It's people all over the globe and people who have come before us and probably people who will come after us. It's a big family. But we get to experience it in the local church. And so we celebrate baptism because it's, it's an exciting time to remember that God has a plan and that God is working his plan out through the local church and through our participation. You matter to God. These three young men matter to God. Their lives matter. He died on the cross so that they could have life in him. They could have purpose, they could have meaning, and they could have an eternity of life with him. So we're going to look at baptism for a few minutes and then we're going to do it. We're going to just do it like the Nike commercial says. So this morning I entitled the the message, Disciples Walk in the Newness of Life. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, you'll see where that phrase comes from. The Apostle Paul used that phrase. Romans chapter 6 is a passage that talks about our new life in Christ. And I think all of us need to remember this. Because I don't know about you, but my memory's not that good these days. I forget a lot of stuff. As I get older, I forget more stuff. I guess because there's not much room left inside there to keep adding new things. And they keep changing the technology, and they keep doing new stuff. So I have to keep learning new things, and so the old stuff just falls out, I guess. So we want to be remembering that we have new life in Christ. And the Apostle Paul was writing to Christians in Rome and helping them to remember that as well. And so we'll read a few verses here, and then I'm going to talk some before we actually hear from the young men, hear their testimonies of faith, and watch them go through the waters of baptism. Deal? Deal. All right, all right. Romans chapter 6, it's on page 1001, if you're using the Pew Bible there. But he's in the middle of, 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 of great teaching. We can't do it all this morning, but we want to just see this this point that he's making. He says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? He's been talking about the grace of God and how it's so awesome. It, It takes away our sin because of his grace. But he says, absolutely not. Don't continue to walk that way or live that way. How can we who died to sin actually still live in it? So, so now he's making a point. We're not alive to sin anymore. Well, you could have fooled me sometimes. It feels very alive at times in my life, right? But there's a fact here. Remember, feelings? Feelings aren't always to be believed. So there's a fact here. Sin has somehow 
been removed from us, has, has died. We are dead to it. Are you unaware, it says in verse, in verse 3 there, follow along, are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death. In order that, so for a reason, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Would you say that with me? We too may walk in the will. I can't hear you. All right, let's, let's, let's we too may walk in the newness of life. One more time. Yes. Yes. You may. You may not. Your choice. We too may. We, we are able to. He has made it possible that we can walk in the newness of life. Now, that is very good news. Because the oldness of life, the old man, the old sin nature is corrupt and is going to destroy us if we follow that path. But if we follow this new path that Christ has given us and we walk in the newness of life, first of all, it's refreshing. Secondly, it's exciting. It's a journey with God. God himself came in flesh to lead the way, to help us to find the way because we were hopelessly lost. Amen? Hopelessly lost. Now, don't let your pride tell you you weren't because you were. Even if you never admitted it, I'm telling you today, you were hopelessly lost. You would never find your way to the newness of life that God intends us to live in Christ Jesus. So Jesus led the way, and he led the way through his baptism, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that is the gospel message that we need to continue to be renewed in, because if we're not renewed in it, the message that this world keeps blabbing out day after day is death and destruction and hopelessness and despair. Death and destruction and hopelessness and despair. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Everywhere you look. Death and destruction. Hopelessness and despair. Right? Am I wrong? This is what the world keeps saying again and again. Oh, it's hopeless. There's death everywhere. There's destruction everywhere. But Jesus has come. So that we may walk in the newness of life. I don't hear you. So that we may walk in the newness of life. Hallelujah. Not in death and destruction and hopelessness and despair, but in the newness of life. Hallelujah. So let's look at this for a moment because we've been looking at discipleship for several weeks now, I want to just review a little bit a few of the points. There's a lot more points that we've made. Otherwise, it would be very short sermons. But a few of the points I, I put down here for us. This fall, we've learned so far about disciples being disciples and making disciples that basically they are continually being formed into the image of Christ. So it's not a once and done deal. It's not like, oh, I bought that ticket. I saw that show. No, no, no. It's Continual. It's a process that the Holy Spirit has us in to continually renew us in, in, into the image of Christ, to, to help us to be more like him. Now, we know what he's like because scripture showed us. 
We have the precious word of God that tells us what Jesus is like. His love, his compassion, his mercy, his power. And so we are continually being renewed in that. Another message that we we heard was that disciples love God because he first loved them. God loves us, and it's a response to that love that brings us into relationship with him. We We didn't do anything to deserve it. He chose to love you. He chooses to love me. We don't know why. Because when we look in the mirror, we know how bad it gets. But he sees your potential. He sees the beauty in you. He sees that the image of Christ can be formed in your life. No matter what's happened to you, no matter what tragedies or or terrors have happened to you, he sees potential within you to make you like Christ. And he loves his son. The father loves the son. And because he loves the son... He loves you when you are in the Son, when you have made a relationship with him, when you put your faith into him. So his love is what changes us, what renews us, which helps us to grow. Another thing that we learned is is the third thing here is disciples, they build their life on their relationship with Jesus and on his teachings. This was the, the message about the rock, building our lives on the rock as opposed to the sand. And so that we have to remember that our whole life is centered on or is foundationally placed on the message of Christ, who he is, what he has done in our lives. And lastly, in this little review, disciples are committed to living according to God's word. They're going to love more. They're going to live purposeful, fruitful lives for God. This is from the message that I said, you know, what are you looking for? When Jesus turned and said to his disciples, they weren't his disciples quite yet. They were following him. He said, what are you looking for? And they didn't really have an answer. But later on in the book of John, we discovered to be a disciple, this is what you should be looking for. You should be looking to live according to God's word, not according to your own desires, not according to that old man, that sinful nature. You should be living a life that's purposeful. And fruitful for him in a life that's more loving. Jesus was love personified. The way he treated sinners, the way he wept over Jerusalem, the way he connected with people, lepers, nobody wanted to be near lepers. The way he was able to love and overcome any obstacle that we could put in the way. This is the kind of love that his disciples also are called to live. That's why he commands us to love one another. So if you're looking for that kind of life, then Jesus is your man to follow. He's the guy you want to follow because if you follow him, that's what you'll become. So today is a very special day, as we said already, because there are three men who are going to be baptized. They've come to a place in their life where they believe that being baptized is the right step for them to take, the right thing for them to do in their relationship with God, but also in their relationship with us, with the church, because baptism isn't done privately at home in your bathtub. Hopefully, you visit the bathtub on a regular basis or your shower, but that's not baptism. This is something very different, right? This is something done in community. This is something done as part of the body of Christ, And it is a witness, it's a testimony. It's a very important 
not only for our own sake, but it demonstrates a disciple's obedient heart, a desire to follow, a heart that wants to follow Jesus, right? So don't be baptized if you don't want to follow Jesus. You know, that's the message, guys, this morning. Don't be baptized if you're not agreeing to follow Jesus. What would be the point? Because in your baptism, what you're saying is, I want to follow him. Now, we know you won't do it perfectly because none of us do it perfectly. We'll have to get back up several times after several trips. But we will continue to strive to follow him, to live according to his word, to follow his spirit as he guides us through life. And that's what you're agreeing to. So here's, here's the, the great thing about this. You see, in baptism, baptism is like a teacher's aid. Any one of you ever use object lessons? Any of you teachers? You know, an object lesson helps you to see something that you just can't maybe conceptualize on your own. So object lessons are powerful. Jesus used them all the time in his parables. He talked about birds. He talked about flowers. He talked about all kinds of stuff. He used an object lesson so that we could grasp the wisdom of God. We could grasp spiritual things because we're not very spiritual, especially on our own, right? We need the Holy Spirit's help for that. So in, discipleship, in, in, in baptism, a disciple sees an object lesson and participates in it. Now, baptism is a phys- is physical, visible analogy of a profound spiritual reality. I know that's a mouthful. But that's what it is. It's physical. So they're, we're not just thinking about getting in the water. They actually get in the water. They put their bodies where their mind is and where their spirit is. They, 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 they get into the water, right? It's an analogy of something, which we've just read about and which, which is told to us in the Scripture. It's an analogy of something that's happening spiritually, something that we are testifying that has happened spiritually. Because the baptism itself, the analogy doesn't actually save you. Christ saves you. And putting your faith into Christ saves you. But it's, it's a testimony. It's a showing of something that has spiritually really taken place. I have died with Christ. So as we go under the water of baptism, it's like being buried in the ground. And I am raised with him into new life. It's that action that takes place. I was telling Pastor Jonathan that years ago that we used to do our baptisms at a place called Trout Brook. You guys, oh, my parents are here this morning. Hi, Mom and Dad. Nice to see you in church. Third row Baptists, huh? Third row. At least you're not back, back row Baptists anymore. Now you're third row. Awesome. But when my dad was pastor here, we didn't have a baptismal tank. Um, he dragged us down to a little forest area here in town called Trout Brook. And in Trout Brook, there's this nasty little pond. And I mean nasty. Pollywogs and like mushy, the bottom's all mushy because the leaves have all disintegrated in the bottom. And the water is literally black. Isn't it? It's like black. There's something with the trees and something about what's happening there. It's not like toxic. It's probably healthy, but it's just black. It's black water. And we did our baptisms there. (laughs) 
you know, so when we talk about you are buried with Christ, you know, go down into the black of the water, and you raised with him, you know, it really was visual. It was like that visual spiritual reality that we all need sometimes so that we understand the depths of what God has done for us. So we have two pictures. We, we practice communion almost every week, not this morning. That also is something we participate in physically, right? But it's, it's an analogy of the death of Christ, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. It's not actually his body or his blood, but it's an analogy. So baptism is like that. We have two of these in the church, baptism and communion, and we get to participate in them. That's helpful for us. So that we never forget the depths of what God has done for us. The reality of what God has done for us. So these must be his two most important pictures. Because the Lord's table is there for us. And he, he demonstrates that. And he says, remember this whenever you gather in my name. And then baptism is something that just powerfully began to take place. Especially after the Holy Spirit came and the apostles began to teach. But we know there's a history with baptism. Baptism was in place before Christ. It comes through Judaism. And it was part of their purification or their sanctification process before an important event. They would be sanctified. Before a priest became, went into service, he would be sanctified through baptism. John the Baptist came to preach the baptism of repentance. Repent because you need to prepare a way for the Lord. You know, and so baptism was very much a part of that process. So even Christ's baptism itself was a picture of his own death and burial and resurrection. Because Christ was baptized by John the Baptist. Now we know Christ didn't have to be washed of any sin. He didn't need to repent of anything. He was sinless. So what, what was that about? Well, that was so he could show us the way. Remember he said, I am the way. Follow me. So we can even go back as believers and say, well, I need to follow him because he was baptized. I will be baptized. I'll I'll go through that process. He was identifying for us before it even happened the fact that he would die, be buried, and then rise again on the third day. And we see that in his baptism as well. So these pictures are important for us. They help us to hold on to the centrality of these truths because they're deep spiritual truths and, and, and they, could, they could be confused. They could get distorted by just how crazy we are sometimes. So he keeps it simple. He helps us to see through these analogies, through these object lessons. This is what I did for you. This is what I want you to do. I love that about Jesus. He comes to us and helps us right where we are. He doesn't say, you need to jump up here and have three PhDs and four degrees and something so you can understand me. He says, let me make it simple. Let me break it down. Let me help you understand. And so that's the beauty of Jesus' heart towards us. So I have a couple questions we're going to cover real quickly, hopefully. Yes, we will. Um, Here's the questions. I, I want to start with, where does baptism fit in relation to being a disciple? Because this is still the part of our discipleship series. Where does it fit in relationship with all of that? We've talked about discipleship, but now we're talking about this. So just before his ascension into heaven, we know that Jesus makes a clear command that baptism is a basic part of becoming a disciple. Let me say that again. Baptism is a basic part, a foundational part of becoming a disciple. 
It might even be the first step for many people in a public way. In his final words in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus commissions his apostles and he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what he says first. He didn't start with the teaching part because we know that verse goes on to say teaching them everything. But, But he says baptizing them, then teaching them. Right? So we're real, we're real good at being taught. We come, we sit, and we listen. We take notes sometimes. Right? So we're good at being taught. But, but something happens before you're taught. Something happens before you start the, the process of learning more and more about God. See, here's where some confusion takes place. Sometimes people say, like, oh, I believe in Jesus. I know that he died for my sins. And I know I should be baptized, but I need to learn a lot more of stuff and get my life all in order, and, and, and make it perfect, and then I'll be baptized. But that's the cart before the horse. That's actually not how it happens. It happens through being obedient and identifying yourself with his death and burial and resurrection. So Jesus, after this, it says in the gospel, it says, Jesus then, with his disciples, after he was baptized by John, he went into the region of Judea, where he spent some time with them baptizing. Did you know that? Jesus was baptizing? His disciples were baptizing? It says it right there in the scripture. Some of us skip right over that. We know he went and started doing miracles, and he, he made uh, water into wine. You know, he did... He walked on water. We know a lot of stuff, but remember, right there in the beginning of the, excuse me, the Gospel of John, he went with his disciples into Judea and began baptizing. And after the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples on Pentecost, after Jesus' ascension, it's Peter who preaches to the crowd. And those who were listening that day, there was over, you know, there was thousands of people, but it says that their hearts were pierced by the message of the gospel when he told them about Jesus and what had just happened there in Jerusalem. They said to him, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. So that's one thing you need to do. And the very next thing, be baptized. Be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When all 3,000 who believed in Christ were immediately baptized, they set an example for us. You can put your faith in Christ, receive forgiveness, and be baptized. You don't have to do 12 months of classes. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to know everything. All you need to know is that I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus is the one. I'm going to ask him to forgive my sins, and I'm going to step into that relationship. And my first step can be baptism. I can just walk into that relationship, not even knowing what all is out ahead, but knowing that I can trust him and put myself in his hands. He is a good God. So another question that we have is, why are the followers of Jesus baptized? Let's just be basic here. Why are they even baptized? Well, because they're following Like I said, Jesus himself was baptized. His disciples were then baptized. 
The early believers at Pentecost were baptized. We're just following the leader, the leader, the leader. We're following the leader. That, that's what you do. So because Jesus was baptized and the disciples were baptized and the early church believers were baptized, we're baptized. Okay? Simple. Simple. We don't need to make it more complicated. In fact, when, when Jesus and John the Baptist were talking about Jesus' baptism, because remember Jesus said, you know, I want you to baptize me, and John the Baptist was like, whoa, dude, slow it down. You should be the one baptizing me. I, I'm not even worthy to untie your sandals, you know. Jesus' words to him were this. This is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. I have this slide up there, Ethan, if you can find it. This is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Baptism is the way. Following is the way. Following is the way. Following God's command. Following after him. Giving our lives fully and completely to him. So, Jesus also had to say to his disciples and to us as disciples, if Jesus was baptized... I believe we should be baptized based on what he said in Luke 6. He says, a disciple is not above his teacher. Everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. My teacher, Jesus, was baptized. So I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to make that choice to be baptized. It's that simple. We overcomplicate it. We're just famous for that. We love to overcomplicate stuff not that difficult to understand if you read the Gospels and understand the heart of God. So the next question to answer is, what does it cost us? I think we should ask that question. What does it cost to be a disciple? Because there is a cost. And you've got to count the cost. You've got to know whether you're willing to pay the cost. So listen carefully, it's not easy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I know that's groundbreaking stuff, because you guys are all living on easy street. Everything in your life goes just the way you like it, right? Oh, no, 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 really, really, thanks for being honest. It's not easy, so there's a cost to following Jesus. You're talking on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 people in the city of Jerusalem were baptized. This was just a few weeks before Jesus, I mean, after Jesus was crucified. Just a few weeks after Jesus was crucified. And when Jesus was crucified, he was called a charlatan. He was called a false teacher. He was called Beelzebub. He was called a fraud. He was someone who was posing to be a religious leader, but he was just a poser. These 3,000 people said, we identify with him. We want to be on his side. We don't care what you say about him. We don't care what you do to us. We saw what you did to him. They counted the cost, and it was a big cost. Not one we are familiar with at all. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was crucified as a false teacher. He was made fun of. Even while hanging in agony on the cross, they made jokes about him. These 3,000 believers and his disciples, 
who said we want to be like Jesus, understood the cost, understood what might be ahead for them. They were putting their life on the line to be identified as a disciple. That humbles us a lot, doesn't it? Humbles us a lot to think about that. So any disciple that was baptized on the day of Pentecost was baptized into the name of Jesus was taking a very bold step They would be alienated from their culture. They would be alienated by the Romans. They would be alienated in the synagogue. They would be alienated from some friends. They would be alienated from some family. They would be alienated by everything. Because now they were citizens of a new world order. They were citizens of heaven. They were followers of Jesus. They were no longer part of this world in some ways. They were preparing for the next. So a separation takes place. This also is true with us. And even in the culture today, the culture that we're living in as it continues to disintegrate around us, identifying yourself as Jesus might be a little dangerous. Would definitely get you alienated, not invited to the parties, Not in the popular club. So these costs need to be counted. You see, in Romans 6, it shows us that in baptism, the new Christian is publicly declaring his or her death to sin and new life in Christ. He or she is declaring a commitment to follow Jesus no matter what the cost And that that old man, that old nature, that old woman, her old nature has now passed away and a new one is being created in Christ Jesus by God's grace. You might lose your reputation. You might lose your social standing in the in crowd. But what you gain is worth everything. And when you step into the waters of baptism and you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and you actually do it, you will fight every day to continue to do it. You will have to fight every day because in some ways your flesh doesn't want to cooperate, so you'll be fighting your old nature. But also the world around you doesn't appreciate you if you identify with Jesus. And so you'll have to fight. And the good thing about a fight is you're not fighting alone. We fight this together. We're part of an army of God. You're not doing this by yourself. You three boys, you're not doing this by yourself. You are now part of the army. You are now signed up and registered with us as soldiers of Christ. And so together we'll fight the hopelessness, the despair, the problems. Together we will fight. Together we will help each other. You are not alone, and and your baptism signifies that. You are raised up into new life, into a new family, into a family that's considered the army of God, soldiers of the kingdom, soldiers of Christ. So every day, we need to work towards Getting rid of our flesh, not letting it rule and reign. The sin nature that wants to come back. 
We need to deal with the culture around us that's so negative on Christianity, so negative on who Christians are and what they represent, and they're intolerant, blah, blah, blah. We got to stand together and help each other and encourage each other. So there are benefits. I just wanted you to understand the cost. So here's the benefits, and then we'll get on with, the, with what we're going to do this morning. The last question is, what benefit does, this, does baptism bring into our lives? What benefit? Like, what, how does this all add up? Well, the first thing is, it's not all bad. I know I just laid down the, the thick, it could be persecution, it could be alienation or whatever. It's good news. So let's remember the good part. For disciples of Jesus, the act of baptism is a beautiful expression of your faith, of your resurrection, of your obedience to God. And here's a list for you. So guys, listen up. Here's the list. Here's what you're going to gain today by walking through these waters of baptism. It honors Christ through your obedience. Simple as that. It strengthens your faith because you have taken a step of faith. It celebrates your commitment to follow Jesus. And we will celebrate with you because we're trying to follow him too. It encourages accountability. What that means is if you do get off track, if you do fall down, if you don't get up real quick, someone might come along and say, hey, let me help you. Let me help you up. I fell like that too several times. And God helped me, and I want to help you. God helped comfort me, and I want to help comfort you. God helped strengthen me, and I want to help strengthen you. Because you're not alone. It also starts a new life in the Spirit. Remember when Jesus was baptized? It says the Holy Spirit came like a dove and descended on him. The Holy Spirit. Peter said that on the day of Pentecost when he preached his his sermon. He said, repent, receive the forgiveness of sins, and you will be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. You get a gift of the Holy Spirit who resides with you and in you and will always be with you. And lastly, it helps you share your faith. Today, when you stand at this microphone and you share your reason for being baptized, that's the beginning of your witness. That's the beginning of the process. So let's begin that process now. Let's remember these young men in our prayers as we continue on as a church, and let's celebrate with them.